0: It's great to be here. Yeah, if somebody can give Stephen a hand, giving out those um, handouts. I know it's going to take him ages if he does it all himself. Right, can you hear me okay? Yeah, it's great to be here. As just said, I was so excited. I didn't want to miss it. Uh, and so I kind of drove up. I was very aware of God's hand on me. Somebody had an accident. About two, three cars in front of me hit the central reservation. And um, at 70 miles an hour. But we managed to miss it all. And swerving in. So, very glad in many different ways to be here. Now, if you've been here the last kind of four weeks, you'd be aware that we've been doing a series called um, Scattered Servants. And really the idea of Scattered Servants is wherever we are, wherever God has called us to be, that we're just to release him. If you remember when I spoke about three weeks ago, I had a, a salt pot and I talked about the idea I still—I would have brought it today, but it never reappeared after last. That's my spoke, <laughs> and um, that salt. If it's all in one place, if you put salt all in one place, it just ruins the meal. It ruins the food. The idea of salt is to draw the flavour out of the food that you're putting it on. And that God has called us to be salt, salt and light. But He's called us to be salt, so that wherever we are, wherever role, job. Even if you're unemployed, if you're housewife, wherever you are, God has put us there for a reason to draw out greatness. Now, I'm just going to share a little bit this morning. Um, if you listened to last time I spoke, that would have really helped. I'm aware that many of you haven't, um, but hopefully, I'll just give you enough details to make sense of what I'm talking about today. I'd really encourage you, particularly if you're at um, Winchester Vineyard WinVin, your kind of home church. I'd encourage you to kind of maybe, if you've missed for any reason, one of the Sundays, just to really um, listen to it. Um, I know particularly when I spoke last time, I, I set you a couple of exercises. And just as a way of trying to help you think and apply it during the week. Because I know from experience, if we don't do it and we don't apply it, then we'll just be say, oh, I heard this great talk or this great series six weeks ago, a year ago. But this is something really as a church we wanted to see grow and developing because we really believe that God has called us to release him to affect everywhere that we are. So just to start off, um, I was going to just give a little bit of a summary, just kind of drawing in some of the things that different people have spoken about in previous weeks. Maybe look at it as like I'm kind of highlighting some things that have been said. And then in the second part of the talk, I'm just going to unpack this phrase, this idea from scripture that I mentioned last time about people of peace, and that we're called to find people of peace, and it's the people of peace that open up um, the community. Now, you might not realize this, but you have journeyed. I don't know if you remember, um, when I spoke a few weeks ago, I had a balloon, I had to find one, I don't have such a balloon this time, but I said one of the things I was going to be doing was to kind of just try to stretch your mind and some of your thinking, because some of the things I shared, particularly last time, would probably be in some ways radically new, radically different. Uh, they might kind of sound familiar, but the implications of them are huge as we start to work out. And it's been good having different conversations with different ones of you, as you kind of been wrestling with some of these things and thinking about um, some of these things some of the lessons that we have picked up. So if you remember one of the things I spoke about a number of weeks ago this is underneath the three lessons learned, is I talked about Matthew 28 we sometimes call it the Great Commission it's a very familiar passage but sometimes it's really easy with a familiar passage to kind of miss some of what it says. So one of the most basic things I said there was this great challenge where Jesus says Go. And um, he says, go into all the world. Go and make disciples of all nations. And the way that so often as it's been interpreted in church has it's become, it's become, come. It's become, come to this event, come to this service. I'm not saying that's not important, but in the way that Jesus challenged us and commanded us was to go. Or as soon as we turned it into go and bring, and so seeing that, that, again, very simplistic, I know this is a learning process, I've had a number of conversations, ironically, with a number of pastors, and as soon as we talk about this, they go, yeah, that's great, let me tell you about this event I'm organising. And I kind of go, oh, you, you've, missed, you've missed the point, point." and I'm aware that each one of us here, wherever you may be, is, been on, uh, is on a journey. Some of the stuff that I'm sharing about, and I've been journeying it on for a good 14 years, when I started working with Muslims abroad, it really started me thinking about what it means to share Jesus, what it means for a Muslim to start following Jesus. And so I have to keep reminding myself, my wife keeps reminding me as well, she says, remember Paul, you've been on 14 years. But some of you, some of the stuff that you heard, it might have been the first time you ever heard or thought about it. So we're called to go, we're called to make disciples. Disciples is somebody who follows Jesus. And that's not the same thing As a convert, it's not necessarily the same thing as somebody maybe who put their hand up and said a prayer. It's somebody who's chosen to follow Jesus and day by day choosing to follow Jesus. And again, that might seem very simplistic, but it's very powerful because we're called to make disciples. Often when people know I work abroad and I have an interest in Muslims, they will come to me. I remember somebody once coming to me and saying, you know, there's one million Muslim converts in Alexandria, which is where I was. At that time, I was thinking, have I missed them? Um, And really what they meant was, I don't even know if that figure, I'd go with that figure, but often these figures are just that somebody has responded, somebody's put their hand up, somebody's said a a prayer. I know with Muslims, particularly if you ask the question in the right way, it's very easy to get the answer that looks good when you're sharing out stories. That's why, you know, when you've been hearing some of the stories I've been sharing about Ethiopia, one of the things I really stressed is, you know, one of the things that gets me most excited is hearing about people getting baptized. To get a Muslim to say a prayer is not that difficult if you ask the question in the right way. To get a Muslim to get baptized, that is huge. Then they're finally grasped it. So we're called to make disciples, and we're called to make disciples of all nations, not just to get random individuals from nations. We're called to disciple nations. I think it's Psalm 2, it's, it talks about, you know, asking for the nations as your inheritance. And hopefully one of the things that, um, you've been challenged about and encouraged, and even myself, is to begin to dream and big, uh, dream larger and bigger about what God wants to do. That He's calling us to impact whole communities. Often when we talk about it, we talk about, I'm hoping to see this person or that person. And that's great. But if we want to do what God's called us to do, we've got to start thinking larger. And then Chris talked about a number of different things. One of the things he particularly talked about was kind of intentionality. And um, just the importance that to do what God has called us to do, we need to be intentional. We need to think. We need to plan. And then Nigel, last week, particularly talked about um, the idea of this, this series that we're doing and all that we're talking about comes out of a place of intimacy and love. And they're kind of two sides of the same coin. We need to be intentional, but it comes from a place of love and intimacy. You know, if I was going to paraphrase, and the Great Commission would be, for God so loved the world, they sent Jesus, and then Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. It comes from that place of love. And if we lose that, particularly today when I'm sharing some stuff, I really want to, again, maybe underline and emphasize it. This kind of whole idea is scattered through. It comes from a place of love. Firstly, ultimately, from a place of just loving God. As sitting at his feet. Because when we capture a glimpse of God, when we capture, as I said there, God's desires, as we capture a glimpse of who God has called us to be and to do, then this will come out. We're not talking about this just to try to create like, uh, yeah, it is a challenge, but it should come from a place of love. It should come from a place of intimacy, which should be the most natural thing in the world for those who say that we love Jesus and we're seeking to follow him. But there's also an intentionality. Um, in Scripture, we, we, we sometimes talk about the kind of plan of redemption. You know, we talk about right from the beginning in Scripture... Um, about Adam and Eve and sin kind of coming into the world, and if you go on something like freedom in Christ, I know they really expand it. But we use the idea of plan on purpose because there's an intentionality. God is very intentional, but there's also love, and that should keep bringing us back to it. If it error comes to the point where it just becomes work or something we should do, then we need to just spend some time afresh, just gazing on Jesus. You know, I find that in my, my life with Muslims, the little slogan or catchphrase they use from my, my sending organisation is with love and respect, inviting Muslims to follow Jesus. And it's a nice little slogan. I quite like it. But as soon as I have to go back to that and just remind myself, with love, it's to do with love. That's why I want to share Jesus with Muslims. That's why whatever God is calling you and challenging you in community that he's inviting you to be part of and to affect and to influence should come from that place of love. Thirdly, it's about, it's about Jesus. It's not about religion. And again, I don't have time to expand. I'd encourage you to, to listen to some of the talks, uh, particularly Chris and, and Nigel's talk. But it's about Jesus. As soon as we complicate it, I was hoping to have a bit of a better incentive. Um, But my kids are eating all the chocolate bars. (laughs) So I was out of chocolate bars. I was searching around the church office trying to find something a little bit more interesting. Does anybody want a a bonbon? Yeah, Yeah, thank you. Uh, Oh, Anybody else? There's a one condition though, Dom. I'll tell you in a minute. Anybody else? Thank you, Larissa. The condition is, you have to eat it without taking the wrapper off. That's hard. But that's what we do. You see, if I had time, I would have picked up a fresh loaf of bread, because that particularly applies, because Jesus says, you know, I'm the bread of life. But you know what we do? We wrap Jesus in fiends. And then we say to people, to follow Jesus, you've got to do this. Nigel would call it, would have called it centered. I mean, boundary set. To follow Jesus, you have to do whatever this may be. It's like we put a wrapper on it. And again, this is a journey because I, you know, I'm still trying to learn. You know, what does it ultimately mean to follow Jesus? What is it at its simplistic? That's why if you've been around this church, you often hear me talking about what I call Muslim followers of Jesus. Even that phrase for some of you will mess with your minds because for me, it's to do with Jesus. I have somebody from an ethnical background. Just like when I'm abroad, I describe myself as a British. Because ethnically, I'm a, a British, white British follower of Jesus. For them, ethnically, they're a Muslim follower of Jesus. What does it mean for them to follow Jesus? What are some of the things that we wrap people up? And again, you might say that's terminology and language. In some ways it is, but in some ways it's very crucial. Chris said, you know, he, he doesn't describe himself as a, as a Christian, He describes himself as a follower of Jesus. And I do likewise. And again, this has been a journey for me. You know, when I went initially to Lebanon, if I said I was a Christian working amongst Muslims, I would say, I killed your relative. I arrived in Lebanon soon after a civil war between Christians and Muslims. And so I kind of started this journey. And at first it was kind of a bit weird. And then I started thinking about, well, what is it about? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for them to follow Jesus? How can I see Muslims in large numbers come to follow Jesus without necessarily putting their lives in danger? Not to water down the cost of what it means to follow Jesus, but what unnecessary barriers am I putting in the way? And I could talk for ages about that and I won't, but this is some of the stuff that I've, I've journeyed on. And as you share and you think about sharing Jesus and some of the stuff that we talked about the last few weeks, it's like thinking through, what are we seeking to share? What does it mean? And it takes thinking, it takes wrestling, particularly if you've been in church uh, a long time. Sometimes it takes a little bit more un- unwrapping. It's amazing what things we put on. The good news, it's the bread of life. It may be good news for many people to follow Jesus. It kind of feels like bad news just because of unnecessary restrictions we put on people. Just to finish off one example with Muslims, many people, uh, I remember a number of years ago, um, whenever I'm in the UK and uh, yeah, it's wherever in the world I go, when I'm in the Muslim world, people say, meet this person that used to be a Christian. They're now Muslim. When I'm in um, here, people say, you know, You must meet this Muslim who's now a Christian. And so they said to me, You must meet this couple. They called them Joseph and Mary. And I went, Joseph and Mary? Uh, I said, Okay. You know, they were good. You know, people invited me. So I went to meet them. And so they said, Hello, my name's Paul. What's your name? They went, Joseph and Mary. And I went, Nah, tell me what your real names are. They went, Joseph and Mary. I went, No, your names are not Joseph and Mary. Tell me what your names are. I can't remember the wife's name. The guy's name was Muhammad. And, And the way that traditionally, And the way that they were reproducing was to follow Jesus, one of the things you had to do was change your name. And I was just thinking, all right, maybe Muhammad is, you know, a name that people would find difficult. You know what Muhammad means? Praise be to God. It's just like having the name Judah. But we do different things, and I'm using examples from my life, but thinking through, what does it mean to follow Jesus? And then just to bring Jesus into that situation. I often describe, I can't think of a better way of describing it, but being like a positive virus. (laughs) Sounds really bad, but just that aspect that we're called to be an influence and to bring transformation. But moving on for that, so some of that, some of the stuff just unpacking from what we've done the last few weeks. And one of the things I talked about was that we're called to impact communities. And I said, you know, what can we learn from Jesus, from what he did and from what he taught. And we started looking at this passage, Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 11. I gave you a little summary there. And um, and I'd encourage you to kind of go away. It's like um, Jesus' is a training manual. When he sent out the 12, he sent out the 70, he sent out the 72. He kind of said, this is the way that you do it. And then you see them outwork it there. And then you see them outwork it, certainly in the book of Acts. And there's a great verse in Acts 19, verse 10. that said they did this for two years so that all the Jews and Greek who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Wow, and I remember sharing. It would be great if we could say that. Within you know two years, we could say that everybody in Winchester and the surrounding area of Hampshire had heard the good news of Jesus. How did they manage to do that? What can we learn from Luke 10, verse, verses 1 to 11? And one of the things I pointed out, that one of the crucial things is finding what we call men and women of peace. And you, we, I taught them this, you're going to hear it today, and I suspect we'll hear it many more times. And I started to unpack it uh, a little bit. One of the things I said was that our responsibility when we want to impact a community, not just individuals, is to find the men and women of peace because they will open up the community to us. Whatever that community may be. And I, I didn't do this last time, but I gave you, a, you got a table there in your notes. And it's just some examples, um, both from the gospels and from what we call the acts of the, the apostles, the acts of the Holy Spirit, or where they found a person that opened up the whole community. This was part of beginning to think, not just in individuals, but reaching whole groups. And I think one of the crucial things, and uh, to that, as soon as we get confused because of the language, uh, I didn't put the exact verse, but if you look in Luke chapter 10, it talks when you enter a house. And I think sometimes, if you think about men or women of peace, it's somebody who opens their house. And I don't know about you, for years I used to think about it like a physical building. I don't know what you think about when you think the word house. But that's not the word that's used there. The word used there is oikos, which means their community. A man or woman of peace will invite you into their community. And that, in some ways, is very subtle, very simple. It is crucial. We know that we are starting to find a man or woman of peace when they invite us into their community. It doesn't mean physical house. It means a community. And you see it there on the third column. The middle column is a man and woman of peace. And it's amazing. Some of them you look at and you think, yeah, I could expect them. Cornelius was a God-fearing man. Other people like the demoniac wouldn't be top of your list as maybe thinking about a man and woman of peace, which is why I encouraged you last time, and I keep encouraging you. Keep praying and praying when it comes to seeking to find men and women of peace. They're not always that obvious. And so I left you with a challenge at the bottom about we must begin to think and pray differently. We need to begin to train ourselves to view every person as a doorway to our family, our community, and develop ways of passing through these doorways to impact them in a positive way so that these people would start to know Jesus. Right, man and woman of peace. How do we find them? They're there. We just have the next image. I like this um, image they're just coming up. Panning for gold. These men and women of peace are out there. You know, this is one of the underlying premises I said right at the beginning when it talks about being scattered servants. When it comes to men and women of peace, we've got to believe that God is at work. Wherever it may be, you know if you've been around church a while, one of my favorite examples, it's funny, last time I shared this, I'm Ali there the next day, Asda. When I go shopping, you know God is in Asda. He's in Tesco's. He's in the garage. Um, he's just filling the, the gap. God is there and wherever he is, he's at work, he's moving. He's drawing men to himself. I think when we forget that, this is when it becomes like a, a job or an extra task we're having to do. No, it's a glorious invitation to work with him in what he's doing already. We just need to just find out. And work with him. And one of the main ways is just praying. And praying. And asking God to start bringing somebody. And who knows? I mean, uh, myself, just because I didn't want to just teach in this thing, I've been trying to do, particularly amongst Muslims, but particularly been trying to push in and praying, God, what's you know, a man or woman of peace, particularly here in the, the UK? I don't know necessarily if this is a person, but I had a message two or three days ago on Facebook, of all places. And, um, my best friend from university, I haven't seen for over 20 years, said, can you give me your email address? I want to talk. And, uh, and so we've exchanged a couple of emails in great kind of depth and, and brokenness and, and, honesty. I know when he was at university, you know, he was one of these people that everybody knew. On the paper, a man and woman of peace. I don't know yet if he's the person, but he wasn't the person I was thinking of when I started praying. And so I'd encourage you just to pray and say, God, who is there? There's no substitute to that. Whatever else to say in a minute, there's no substitute to prayer. Secondly, just get out there. John Wimber uh, put the quote there, says the meat is out on the streets. Chris in particular talked about just how many things that happened in Jesus' life happened when he was out there. Very few things, particularly miraculous, happened in the synagogues. Get out of there. Be amongst the community. Join communities. I talked about this before that um, sometimes rather than just trying to create something new, just join what's there already. All around us there's communities. You know, often when I'm doing this as a formal teaching, I just say to people, tell me what you love doing. And people kind of come up and on, I don't know, scrabble, knitting, um, running, you name it. Pretty much most of these things there are communities out there already. We spend so much time trying to reach people and then creating our own little communities rather than just being the good news and implanting that into the communities. That way, a whole community can start following Jesus instantly. Why not? We're having this, this Western mentality of one by one, people start following Jesus. Historically, from Scripture and, and across the world, whole communities start to follow Jesus, we just got to participate in that. To give you an example, some of us were um, talking um, a few weeks ago about um, life groups. If you're in in this church, you know we have different life groups, and they're just um, small groups where you can meet and help each other grow and become more like Jesus. And um, we have some which, uh, I don't know what the phrase Chris uses for them, but... um, Know, more news not the right word for it, but you know, we had a cycling club, which Michael was, was leading worship and was running. We had a, a, a walking club, and we were talking about running. And um, I remember somebody saying, you know, there's a number of us in church who love running. I love running. And so we we're saying, shall we set up a, a running club, uh, which is a great idea. A number of us have friends up in Basingstoke. who set up a running club that has now between 200 and 300 people going to it. Wow, they created a community that wasn't there. The other way they're looking at it when we're talking about people based down here was I said, yeah, we could do that. Or three or four of us that love running, we could commit to join Eastley Running Club or Winchester Running Club. There's a community there already. We don't have to create a new theme in that situation. But hopefully you're beginning to pray, beginning to say, God, what is it? If you need any more help, I gave you some practical help there just to think about some of the things that you just love Doing. And we're not saying add something to your life. We're just saying, what do you love doing? Find other people that do that and release release Jesus into that situation. Have a community of Scrabble lovers who love Jesus. I'd love to see what words they come up with. (laughs) I wonder if their words would change. This is what my wife's trying. I hate. I hate hate words. I hate language. (laughs) She might tell us when I speak but um, whatever you're passionate about it, start thinking about it. And be intentional about it. There's an intentionality about it. And again, I don't want to draw attention to myself, but one of the things I decided was I wanted to start impacting the running community. That's what I used to do. That was my reputation as a, as a child at school, running. That was my life. And, um, and so I used to go with a man and play football. It's a great thing. If you like football, join the men on a, on a Monday, Monday night. Talandi, I gave it a plug. Um, but I, I worked out that I couldn't do football and do running. Uh, I got injured too much at football. And so I had to make a choice. And that was hard because I love playing football uh, with a number of people from this, this fellowship. It's a lot more lonely just running by yourself. But my aim and my intentionality is I want to join probably easily Running Club because that's closest to me. And I want to make sure I can do what's called a seven 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 and a half minute mile just so that I have enough breath to be able to talk with people as they run. <laughs> you have a captive audience. <laughs> Unless they run off ahead of you, but then you keep up with them. But whatever it may be, we need to think and pray about it. But it also involves action. It's a bit like this gold digging. It involves choices. I said, well, as you go into the community, be incarnational. It just means be real. Be Jesus. And I gave you a couple of quotes there. I don't have time to read that. But be present. Like I said already, and I, I keep stressing it, because in some ways it's obvious, but I think we forget it. One of the main ways that Katie encourages me to be like Jesus is to remind me of this fact. Often she would just send me a text, and she would just say something like, what's Jesus up to? What's God up to? something very simple. Whatever situation you're in, it normally just totally changes the situation. I don't know if this makes sense to you. I hope it, I hope it does. Because suddenly I might be doing something which I think is ordinary and mundane, and suddenly I get this text, and it's like my little antennae go up. Just maybe I'm human. Maybe you don't have this problem. Maybe you don't need this encouragement. And suddenly think, oh, wow. Yeah, I am here shopping. I am here looking after the kids. I am here. I've been on holiday this week, so I'm here crab fishing, a whole load of normal things I wouldn't normally do, building sandcastles. But at the same time, God is, God is here. I wonder what he wants me to do. And suddenly I, you know, I looked at it to say this happened and that happened. As soon as I can't share any story, but I tell you what, it suddenly made that moment divine. As in, I've allowed the presence of God to become a reality in that time and that situation. And so I'd encourage you to do that wherever it may be. Be incarnational. But lastly, the bit I want to focus in on is trying to find people peace and um, like I said the crucial thing is prayer but this is just a tool you know often when we teach here in church we just try to give you different tools that help you and, uh, and the tool I want to give is just it might seem very simple and I'll give you some example answering everyday questions to see who God is at work in each one of you gets asked questions each week How you answer those questions is an opportunity to see whether this person that God is the one that he is at work in. It's learning to turn everyday questions into opportunities. For me, this is part of what it means. All those other verses I've given you normally are given as examples of apologetics, being able to come up with clever answers to explain things about God. And maybe that's one way of interpreting it. But another way is being prepared, always having an answer. So to give you an example, a couple of examples. When I was uh, working amongst Muslims, the main way Muslims start to follow Jesus is through dreams. It's still the main way. They get dreams. Long may that increase. And, um, but how do I know if they have a dream unless I ask them? They don't generally just come up to you and go, I had a dream about Jesus. I had a couple of friends that that's happened to them. Um, so how do you do it? Now, some of you... Um, and I think some of you think I am this, but you know what? I'm, I'm an introvert. I'm happy speaking here. You see me later, I just I'll hide behind my cup of tea or coffee, whatever. You know, I don't find it easy. I'm not a natural get out there and, and speak to people. So I have to be a lot more intentional. Now, some of my friends, people, could just go up to people. And I know a friend who just goes up to you, just goes up to Muslims and goes, Have you ever had a dream about Jesus? No. Okay. <laughs> I, just, I can't do that uh so i was trying to figure out how do i discover if the main way they hear, hear about jesus through dreams how can i work out if they had a dream from god and um being in the middle east for 11 years that gave me a good time to think about it well i it took me a little while to start figuring out i get asked when i was in the middle east i got asked certain questions why are you here Why do you know arabic are you a muslim or christian And I used to just come up with a whole load of answers. We used to, as a a team, we used to experiment different ways of answering those questions to find out what God is at work doing in people's hearts. Now, as some of you know, I have four children. Uh, My last one's called Abraham. Uh, Abraham is like the additional blessing. We're planning to have three, and then Katie came to me one day and said, we're expecting another one. (laughs) And, And being the man, I kind of thought, I'm meant to be excited, but that means... You know, 33%, you know, 33, 25% more having to pay for school fees and things like that because we were abroad at that time and that was the most expensive thing. So I kind of prayed and fasted about it. it seemed to the right thing to do. And that night I had a dream and God said, you're going to have a son. And you're going to call him Abraham. And, um, and obviously I had a son and I called him Abraham. Now, and obviously i would known that for years, but I hadn't realized it was an opportunity. I knew that people loved that I called him Abraham because everywhere I went, I called him Abraham or Ibrahim. Is this is an Arabic version, and they have a little play on it. So if you ever want to get Abraham and surprise him, just call him Hema. And um, it's just a shortened version of it that everybody knows. If I went in a shopping area and I went Hema, everybody's eyes would turn and look at me. And um, and then the next minute I say to me, I was like, you say Hema or Ibrahim, why do you call him that? And I used to just go, yeah, I call him that name, you know, because I had a dream. And then it took me because I'm slow. It took me a few months to think. You know what? I could answer this question differently. I could go. Call, I called him Abraham because I had this dream from God. Have you ever had a dream from God? It was just something very subtle. Uh, I like to say I, 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 you know, amazing things happen, but it didn't. But it created that opportunity. The other, um, I suddenly realised that I was more likely to have this conversation if I called out his name so poor Abraham wherever I went I took him with me <laughs> I still do it quite a lot because uh, he likes chatting to people and I used to just normally call his name when he just wandered off I couldn't see where he was I discovered that I, I started calling his name even when he was standing next to me because they just multiply that's kind of part of the intentionality so that's just one example but each one of us gets asked questions you might get asked you know um, what's your job what do you do Where are you from? Just fill in the the gap. What did you do on Sunday? What did you do at the weekend? This might sound technical, but for me this is more the kind of planning back. Just start thinking it through. So I'm trying some stuff. This is just a couple of things I try. So when people ask me what I do, um, if I try to explain my work with Muslims, that really confuses them. So I generally just focus in the the one day a week I do uh, at Winvin. Now if I said I'm a pastor, that normally doesn't go down too well. Uh, I'm always just gonna like okay in the conversation I don't know about Nigel so what, what I do now and this is I'm just sharing I'm not saying this is the best way I'm just learning I'm experimenting is um, I normally say oh it's I don't answer it straight away maybe like Jesus but I'm not sure uh, I just go you know what it's like people love Jesus but don't seem to like church and Christians my job is to help people um, help people to live like Jesus and I just throw it out and see what happens, see how they react. Uh, for Sunday, this is what I don't normally do. People say, well, you know, if I said to somebody, well, you know, what did you do on Sunday? I went to church. <laughs> End of conversation. Move on. They're religious. Um, so, I mean, this is what I'm trying. I'm just saying this, this is just me. I'm not saying this is the right way, but whatever it is, figure it out. You get asked certain questions, think out how to answer it. So I said, well, go to a place where, we learn, where we're trying to learn how to raise the dead. I'm not kidding. That's what I say. People say, "So where do you go on, where you go on Sunday?" I said, I'm, "I'm going somewhere where, they, where people are trying to raise the dead. That kind of like gets me interested. It kind of just get a flicker." And so, and if I, I really pray, also, just like if I know they got a back problem, or I just feel like God's saying they got a certain problem, I just go, "Oh, I go, I go to church where we pray for people to see their backs healed, or whatever it may be. That that happens less less often, but wherever it is." It's in a very easy way. Yeah, pray, pray, pray. But you get asked certain questions. Normally I do the training, I don't have time. But I'd encourage you to go away. Maybe somebody that's sat next to you, go away and ask them. Um, you know, just challenge me. What questions do you get asked? I can guarantee you get asked certain questions. How can you answer them in such a way that you can start finding out who are the men and women of peace in your life? I'm going to jump the bit about what do you do once you find them. You can just read that. But I just want to finish off with one bit. It's from Luke chapter 10, verse 11. And I, and I want to share on this. Uh, and again, this is one of these balloon moments. Kind of like... Ah, this will stretch your mind and, you think, and your thinking. There's a verse there in um, Luke chapter 10. And it talks about... When you enter a town and are not welcome, go into the streets and say, Even the dust in your, of your town will wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this. The kingdom of God... That's coming near. The moving on wipe feet theology. I suspect if you've been going to church for one week, or you've been going to church for, I don't know, some of you might have been going to church for a good 70 years. I suspect you never heard anybody teaching this. But it's there in Scripture. What, is that? what does that mean? Missiologists, those are people who spend time thinking and talking and studying Scripture But what it means to be Jesus and share Jesus in the community. They say this is the verse in the Bible that's most disobeyed than any other verse in the Bible. I'm not saying that they're right, but it's interesting that I have been in church all my whole life. I've never heard anybody teaching it until I started hearing this a few years ago. What does it mean? It really means that we are called to find men and women of peace. A man or woman of peace will open the door to their community. I know a number of you I'm talking to and they say, I think I found my man and woman of peace. I'm praying about it. I think I might have found them. And I'm praying that 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 is true. But one of the characteristics is not just that they're open and they're interested to talk about Jesus. That's great. The crucial, maybe make or break, is are they willing to open their community to you? Are they willing to share what you're talking with them? is somebody else. And that's huge. And it's important because we are called to reach the nations. We are called to impact whole communities and that will only happen through people of peace. Now when I first heard this, maybe because it's my pastoring background, I I just found that really hard because it's like do you mean I need to move on from people? I was brought up with this whole kind of teaching, particularly amongst Muslims. I can't remember the phrase, but they say you need to drink something like 30,000 cups of tea with them um, before they would show a response. And this was going right against that kind of teaching. And um, I was aware of it. I had a couple of friends called Kareem and Sharif. And I'd spend hours and hours with them just because that was the way it was done. Um, you know, I must spend about 12 hours a week with them each week, and, uh, and I was thinking, what, what do you want me to do? Because I would already shared a few times with them, and I would figured out that they weren't interested. But they were open, they were righteous, they liked hearing, they liked talking about God. And I was thinking, do I need to move away? And I was struggling with this. And uh, so I had, a, I had a dream that night. I don't often have that many dreams. It sounds like I have a lot of dreams. And I had a dream about this. Can you just do the next slide? Which was a strawberry field. Now, you know when we go um how many of you have been strawberry picking yet? I can't remember if the season's over, I need to ask my my gardening friend Brian. But when you go strawberry picking, I love it. You're going with the kids. Oh, and you know, they end up more sick. <laughs> At the end of it, ugh, Always take a bucket for the strawberries and one for them. And um <laughs> sorry, too much information. But when you do strawberry picking, um, You don't go to a white strawberry and just go, oh, it's a white strawberry. If I just wait here long enough, it's going to turn red. No. You just go looking for red strawberries. The reason why I, and I think many of us find it difficult, the teaching about moving on from wherever it is, is like I've spent so much time with this person, this individual. I'm not saying this teaching is easy. I'll share very quickly how I've solved this in my life. This kind of tension within me. But it's only if we have confidence that there are red strawberries out there are we willing to leave white strawberries behind. Does that make sense? Only if we have confidence that there are men and women that are ready, ready, can we move away white strawberries. And it's hard because you think I've invested so much time in this white strawberry, but I know. At this point in time, they're not interested in opening their community and sharing about Jesus. That's hard. I'm not saying this is easy. I didn't say this going to be easy teaching. The way that I try to cope with this tension with my friends Kareem and Sharif is I stop seeing them um, so often, bit by bit, and I just go and visit them once a month. And they would say, "Where have you been?" It's a special Arabic phrase that you, you go through, and I just go, "You know, I, you know that I love God, and I have a responsibility before God um, to use my time wisely." And there's people at the moment who just want to study the, the stories of the prophets, as you'd say to a Muslim. I said, "If you want to see more of me." Um, let's study the story of the prophets. And they'd always change the conversation or talk about something else. And i just think, still a white strawberry. That's fine. I'll keep praying for them. I'll keep blessing them. But I will go and find the Muslims or those in my community that God has prepared. I'm going to pray because my time has literally rushed by. And I know some of the stuff I shared, particularly the stuff at the end, um, for some of you, incredibly hard maybe incredibly difficult, if you start thinking through some of the implications of that, it's major. We never said this was going to be an easy series. But at the same time, it's a glorious invitation. God is at work. There are red strawberries out there. The fields are whitened to harvest. There's seed, if we plant it in the right place, like the power of the server, that will bear 30, 40, 50, 60 fold. These men and women of peace are the ones that we want to find. Not because it's a task, but because we're falling in love with Jesus. And we want to see whole communities fall in love with Jesus as well.
1: Shall we all stand? Why don't we just um, take a moment just to be quiet and wait on the Lord. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Thank you for Paul, for his heart, his message, and that challenge. And Lord, whatever you're saying and doing with us, Holy Spirit, we invite you and welcome you. Just acknowledging that, we're, that some of what Paul shared is, is challenging. Um, I felt like one of the things that we should do at this point, just before we finish, was to invite as many of you that want to, to come. And uh, we'd just love to pray over you and commission you. And what I'm thinking particularly is, I know that there are many of us who know already the community or communities that God has put us in. And we already feel challenged. <laughs> By what it is to be there, we know, we know that God's called us to that place. It might be a work-related community, or a social-related community, or fam- even family, um, whatever it is. We know that God has called us there. We know that He's put us there, and 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 doing this stuff is is not straightforward and can be challenging. We've kind of addressed this in some of the little interviews we've been doing over the last few weeks, but if if that's you um we would just love to pray for you and commission you um to go into your environment into your community and continue to be a witness there however challenging that might be even just even just living um and operating within that environment and and staying close to jesus might be difficult um but i know that there are many of us for whom that's true and so in a minute if that's you I would love you just to come and it um, won't be anything big or dramatic unless the Lord wants to do something big or dramatic but we'd just love to pray uh, a blessing and a commissioning over you in that place. Um, so if that's you and you'd like to respond to that why don't you just come and, um, and we would love to just do that. Why don't you just come and stand here where you are. What, what, if you know that God has called you to be in a place in a community in an environment And you know that he's challenging you to keep living. Keep coming forward, guys. Step forward a bit further. You know that he's challenging you, and that you know that that's not easy, but you want to respond to his call. Keep stepping forward, guys. Just make some space behind you. And I just want to pray over you from Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which I've mentioned in one of the talks I did before, which is where Jesus says to the disciples, He said, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set, by his own authority, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. I just want to pray that over you guys. And maybe if you're here and you're not particularly engaged with God, just kind of reach out a hand and pray it over these guys too. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And we pray that you would receive power. As the Holy Spirit comes on you. That you would be my witnesses. In Winchester. In Hampshire. In the workplaces. And the communities. In other countries. In wherever God has called you to. That you would receive the power. And so we pray. Father God that you would bless all of these. That you would indeed commission them. To be your witnesses in the places where they've been called to be. We pray that they would receive power from on high, the power of the Holy Spirit. More than just an encouraging word on a Sunday, more than just some nice friends supporting them, but actually the power of God. And that as they get up and go to work tomorrow or go into the, the place, wherever it is that you've called them to, that they would stride in with their hearts on fire. And their heads up knowing that you've called them to this place. And Lord, for those for whom that is a challenge, for those for whom that is a real struggle at the moment, would you just walk alongside them and may they know that you're walking alongside them. Holy Spirit, bless them in Jesus' name. We commission you and we bless you to be a blessing in the place where God has called you. Now let your power come. Let your power come.
0: Somebody had a picture during the last um, worship song about um, when we we're talking about lips, praising that God just really wants to anoint uh, lips. And so I'm just going uh, to just, just bless that, that God would just anoint your lips. The other thing I had uh, was a picture of kind of night goggles. Night goggles help you to see what you can't normally see in the natural so I'm just going to kind of bless that over you guys as well, that you'll just begin to see things in the situations that you're in, that you'll begin to see things that you hadn't seen before, um, even just like men and women of peace, just you, you know when you've got night goggles on you can see what you can't see before. So far, I just bless that God. I just pray a blessing upon the lips, God. I just pray Lord just um, um, yeah, just fire God, just fall upon their lips, God. Just give them the words to, to say. I particularly um, pray that I know some of you like me find it difficult to know what to say. That's why I have to think about what to say before. And I, I, just, I just bless you with a release of your tongues to be able to share and speak. And just a blessing upon what you say. That some of the things that you will say, um, you'll say the same words, but they'll have a greater impact. And so I just bless that and I just say Increase. And I also just bless your eyes. Just begin to see uh, situations with the eyes of Jesus. Uh, you just, uh, yeah, just supernatural ability to see fiends the way that he sees fiends. I just bless that in the name of Jesus.
1: So, Lord, the Lord is here, and this is how I want us to do this. Just two other things. One is if you are somebody who doesn't yet know, who that person of peace is or who the people of peace is or who that community is, if you're someone who's genuinely asking that question um, and you feel a bit stuck in that, then we'd also love to pray for you. And if you want to just respond again and come and join these folks at the front, just by way of saying, actually, Lord, I don't know exactly what it is and who it is, but I'm genuinely responding, I'm genuinely wanting to know, then again, we'd just just come and, and join these guys at the front and we would love to pray for you. So if that's you, please come and join them. And at the same time, I'd love for some of us, because the Lord is here and he's ministering to these folks. And those of you here at the front, if you've got what you came for and you're done, feel free to go. But if you want to stay, um, and we'll just continue to pray for you guys that the Holy Spirit will fill you and empower you. And I'd love for some of the rest of us to come and join in and just start to just gently lay hands on these folks. And pray for God's blessing on them. So I'd like you to come forward. If either you're going to come and pray for one of these folks. Or if you want to receive. And just have someone pray with you. Feel free to come. The guys will play gently. I'm just going to. So keep keep coming forward as you do that. And I'm just going to pray. Uh, to close up. Holy Spirit thank you for the work that you're doing. And we bless you. Thank you for your continued and ongoing work. That's it guys. Just Just push in a bit as you need to. And just start to gently lay hands on folks and just bless what god is doing and if he gives you a word of encouragement for them then make a note of that or make a mental note and just store that up and share it later so holy spirit thank you for your work here thank you for the challenge and the call thank you for your mission and for your heart for people and lord continue to call us and challenge us to be your scattered servants in all the environments that you're placing us in. Continue to give us clarity, we pray, about where it is and give us power and boldness um, as we step out into what you've called us to. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to continue to pray and continue to worship. Coffee is available and if you need to, if you've got kids, um, you need to go get them if you haven't already. Bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. Have a great week. We're just going to continue to pray for these folks and if you want to respond, if you have any other need, that you've come with today, any other need, and you'd just love to have someone pray for you, then please do come, come and pray. And you guys at the front here responding, if the Lord says anything to you, either directly or through others, just make sure you keep a note of that.